Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. We're giving you scriptural motivation and strategy so you can get out there, my friend, and get some stuff done. And we want to celebrate with you. So let us know how the Lord is using you to turn cities upside down. What are you doing to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Get out there and talk to some friends. Get out there and talk to your neighbors. Get out there and lay hands on the sick. Hallelujah. Be available to be used of him. Hey, again, thank you for tuning in. We're so grateful to all of our listeners, all of our friends and partners all over the world. Hey, something we want to do uh, that would help you, like if you've been blessed, you've been encouraged by any of our uh, particular episodes or podcast episodes, any of the content, any of the ideas presented, and you're thinking of somebody that would be greatly blessed to hear one of those messages, but you're like, you know what? They don't they don't use the digital stuff. Like uh, they don't know how to subscribe to the podcast on any of their favorite platforms because they don't have one. <laughs> and you're like, you know what? They would really be able to use the CD. Okay, we got you covered there, friends. Old school, that's how we do it, old school. That's right. This is a CD right here. This is episode 108. And uh, we would just uh, love to help you by sending this to anybody free of charge, if you think that they would be blessed or encouraged, this particular episode is Obstructions to Seeing in the Spirit. This is where we talk about, I think we talked about maybe three or four things, common things that obstruct our ability to see into the spirit realm. And so, you know what? We'll send that out or any of the podcasts. Just let us know uh, which one and to whom, and it would be our honor to do that. The Lord said, just get, get the word out. We're not trying to get our name out there. This isn't trying to promote us. But if, if the particular message would encourage somebody, we just want to get it to those people. All right, let's dig into today's podcast today. And uh, we want to talk about the Zoe life. Now, in particular, if you look at John's writings, John's writings combined, he deals with the subject of life more than any other book in the New Testament. While uh, it's discussed in other books, John really uh, discusses it the most. His writings contain the most information concerning the new life that we have in Christ Jesus. And uh, so we want to uh, kind of dive into this a little bit today. And uh, earlier this year, the Lord gave us a prophetic word, and he said to concentrate and consecrate ourselves to becoming a spiritual people with a spiritual demonstration and glorious people with a glorious demonstration. And remember that time in Corinthians when uh, Paul said, listen, I came, I'm paraphrasing, but first Corinthians chapter three, he said, I came to you. Uh, and my intention was to communicate to you as spiritual people. But he said, I couldn't because you're acting like mere men or of the flesh, according to the flesh, you're living out of a low life. Now he was addressing people that w- were in fact born again, but he said, you haven't started to live out of that new nature yet. You're still wandering around like babies being led around by the dictates or the desires or the lusts of the flesh rather than being the debtor to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that you truly are. And, of course, Paul talks about that in Romans 8. That's a reference there. 
But we want to grow in our understanding of what that new life has done for us. Some years ago, there was a prophetic word, and it the Holy Spirit was telling us that our knowledge of the impact of the divine life and nature of God upon the human spirit is in its infancy, meaning we're still learning and we need to learn. He's encouraging us to learn about what impact being born again has had upon our spirit. And now we're able to draw, we're able to receive from, we're able to navigate this life now from our spirit rather than from the flesh. And we just need to grow in our understanding, our knowledge of the impact that being born again has had upon us. Hallelujah, it's tremendous. Then a few weeks ago in November, the Lord said this to us. He said, be conscious of the life. He said, I want you to learn more of the eternal and of the zoe. All right, now zoe is a Greek word, but it's translated life in most English Bibles. And there are, um, I think there's uh, four words, Greek words translated life, three predominant ones, at least three predominant ones. I, th- I think there's four. But um, so if you're reading through the Bible and you just see the English word life, you may not know which uh, type of life it's referring to. Well, here the Lord said, I want you to learn more of the Zoe life. This is what the Lord said to us. He said, I've said in my word to lay hold of eternal life, for I desire that there be an explosion and an expansion of the eternal things of me within you. For I desire for the eternal to come through you and for it to show forth through you. It's life. It's the eternal life. It's the Zoe life. And as you allow that eternal life to come through you and explode through you, it will touch those that are only in the natural right now, and it will draw them into the eternal. So I say, be more conscious of the eternal life, which is the life of me that is within you. Now let's look at a couple references here. John 6, 40, and this is what uh, we read here. It says, and this is the will of him, the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus saying, this is the will of the Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life. The word life there is the Greek word zoe, and he says, and I will raise him up at that last day. Romans 6, 23, you know this one, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In another place um, in the scriptures, remember when Jesus met the woman at the well, the, the Samaritan woman, and I'm just going to condense this, but, you know, Jesus asks for a drink of water. She begins to question him. And then Jesus said, hey, had you known who it was that is asking you for a drink, had you realized who I am, he's the Messiah, But he said, had you realized that, you would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you a drink of living water. And he goes on to say that that living water would become a wellspring of what? Zoe life. And one translation says this, that had she known who it was and the gift that he was offering, she would have requested it of him. Well, what's the gift? Well, the gift is the life. Now, an outworking of that life is an eternity, a place, a home in the heavenlies before the Father. Most people think of the gift as just heaven. Well, praise God, that's amazing. Heaven's awesome. But actually, the gift itself is life, and that life is what provides 
for our entry into the eternal realm because the the life of Christ is eternal in this sense, um, that it's a life of dominion. Zoe life isn't referring to a time frame like forever and ever and ever living, although it is perpetual in that sense. But it's a quality of life, just not an eternity of existence. It's a quality, and it is a dominion. The eternal realm is the realm where it is dominated. Uh, 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 the eternal realm is the realm that is not under, let me say it like this, it's not under the, the dominion of time, matter, or substance. And uh, what a tremendous gift. He's offering a life of dominion, of eternal dominion, dominion over time. There will be no more time there. Dominion over matter and substance. Oh, praise the Lord for it. And so he says, this is the gift. And then, you know, Jesus said, that the thief comes to still kill and destroy, but he said, I have come that you may have what? Well, life. Well, which life is he talking about? He's talking about the eternal life. Now, I'm looking for uh, a particular thought in my notes here. Let me get this pulled up. And uh, we see here, right here. So of the references to life in the New Testament Bible, one of them is Zoe. Again, this is the gift of life that Jesus came to give us. This is uh, a redeeming life. Um, it is a life um, from the Father Himself. John five was it? John five twenty five. It says, "Even as the Father has life in Himself, He has granted that the Son would have life in Himself." This is the life that Jesus came to offer us. It is the divine life and nature of God Himself. It's the essence of God that he has given to us. It's the life that has resuscitated or uh, brought to life our dead spirit. We were spiritually dead. We were raised from that spiritual death into new life. That life, the Zoe life, is what is causing our spirits to be alive. The other life uh, that the Bible talks about is bios, B-I-O-S, it's pronounced bios. This is one of the other Greek words. This word refers to the physical life. Uh, you live and move in your physical body because of bios. That's a, that's a type of life. Uh, it's your manner of life or your livelihood. What's interesting is we get the word biography from it. And a, bi a biography, basically, generically, is an account of what somebody did in their physical body. And so when we read somebody's biography, we're reading their deeds and actions uh, that they uh, accomplished or pursued in the earth or in their natural bodies. So that's a bi biography. So that life is bios. It's physical life. Then another word, very common word, is the Greek word suke, suke. And we get the English words psyche. We get the English word psychology, which is the study of the mind and its functions. We would know the use of this word because the suke is like the soul. It's the seed of the will, emotions, the imagination, the mind. And uh, that's that suke is translated life. That's kind of like your animation. That's your personality, say. You know, you have your physical body. Every, everybody has a physical body. There's a life that is associated with that, the bios, the physical life. 
but then there's a varied animation, if if you will, like a very a varied expression of life within that physical body. That's the soul, and that's suke life. And uh, this this word is used uh, 33 times. It's translated as soul in the New Testament. 36 times as life. Two times as heart, and two times as mind. This speaks to the force of life that animates the bios of the physical bodily life. Again, I said it, it is the seat of this animation. And in the Bible, though, a lot of its use um, describes this soulish life um, is a derivative. Okay, so the mind, will, and emotions, the soul of man is a derivative, the imagination, the thinking, um, our meditations. We derive that, though, from either the flesh or the spirit. A lot of the times when the Bible uses the word uh, suke, it's talking about the psyche or our animation as derived from our low living or the state of being spiritually dead. So we're deriving our life from the natural or from the flesh. Again, most of the time it's used scripturally to refer to the lower form of life derived from the flesh. Now the difference maker here is being born again because our spirits before we are a spirit, we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body, we are not a mind, we are a spirit, but we were spiritually dead. We were alienated from God. We were held captive under the God of this world. We were slaves to sin, slaves to unrighteousness. We were slaves to the kingdom of darkness. Okay? Now, that alone is an eternal state. It's a spiritual condition, but it is eternal. Um, And this is why I just want to reiterate, when we get born again and we... uh, eternity is our home. Well, we were already in an eternal condition, but we would be eternally separated or alienated from God, eternally bound under the corruption and the sin and the decay, uh, bound under time, bound under matter and substance. We were in a prison. And uh, if you don't get born again before you leave this physical body, You're not going to be in eternity with God. You will not spend eternity with him. You will spend eternity in hell uh, and eventually to be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. That is an eternal condition. But this life is a redeeming life. It's a life of dominion. It's the life of God which pulls us out, translates us out from the kingdom of darkness. And because of this life, now we're placed into the kingdom of the son of his love. For even as the Father had life in himself, he has granted that the... Now, in the Bible there, in John, it says capital S, Son, but we could easily add because of the other revelation that came. Even as the Father has life in himself, he has granted that the sons would have life in themselves. If you're born again, you become a child of God. What differentiates between a child of God and a child of the devil? Life, friends. Zoe life. The nature, the change in our nature, the force of life that we can draw from and draw our animation from. Now, when you were spiritually dead, all you had was the flesh. And that's how the Bible uses, in most instances, that's what the Bible is referring to when it talks about the soul part of you, that 
you were deriving your life, your animation, your livelihood, the way you thought, your actions based on the flesh. But no more, friends. If you get born again, guess what? Something on the inside of you now. You've got the life of God that you can draw your animation from. You can draw your livelihood from. Your whole world will change now that you have life. Um, let's see here in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, remember Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He said that he came from the father and he will return to the father. He said that when he does go, he goes to prepare a place for them. Them who? Well, those who would be the recipients of the gift of life. This Zoe life, only those who have life, have a place before the Father. Now, I want to show you something here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. We're we're just expounding upon the tremendous uh, mercy and grace that has been bestowed upon us, the tremendous gift associated with the gift of life, the outworking that this life, this new life in Christ Jesus, what it provides, what it affords for us, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now that phrase before him is quite fascinating. This word is only used five times in the New Testament, the Greek word before. Now, Jesus said, remember, he said, uh, if anyone who desires to come after me um, has to uh, partake of life. Jesus, in John 6, he said, I was the bread of life. No man cometh to the Father except through me. He said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth. That word truth translated reality, meaning he He said, I am a witness to the reality of the spiritual realm. And then he said, I am the life. I'm the way, the reality, the truth, and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You have to partake of Jesus or you're not getting to this place. Now, anybody who receives of life, Jesus said, I I go, I came from the Father, and I'm going to go back to the Father, okay? And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That place is right before the Father. All right, so this word before, it's only used five times in the whole of the New Testament. It literally means a place. It literally means a location. It's a literal location. Poetically, it's used as the place where you are the first thing his eyes see when he looks. Like when Father looks, there is a place just for the new creation, just for the born-again believer, the temple, the body, And the bride, there's a place right before the Father. And that place is the place where when Father looks, you're the first thing that he sees. Hallelujah, friends. That's the place Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. I mean, most of us are thinking about the little shack on the corner of glory land. No, no, no. That's not the place Jesus said, I go to prepare for you. Now, outside of that place, there's more geographical location. There's other uh, you know, the boundaries, there's more to explore, but that's the place Jesus said, I go to prepare for you. The place right before 
the Father. That's the literal place that Jesus prepared for those who would be the recipients of life. Again, our place is before him. Another place, it says that we are a trophy or a display of his grace. The rest of the place, the rest of the place, heaven, the rest of the place is what we would know as the new Jerusalem. It's the heavenly Mount Zion. It's the heaven that we have heard about and have anticipated um, experiencing and going to all of our life. You know, you, you have a place there. That's your dwelling. Uh, in Philippians, the, there's a word there. It says our citizenship is not of this world, but heavenly, heavenly, new Jerusalem. Our place is not the earth. Um, Jerusalem on the earth is not for the born again believer. It's not for the ecclesia. That's not our place, our politico. That's that Greek word there. In fact, let me find it really quick here. It is Philippians. Oh, I didn't have this in my notes, but let's get there. Uh, let's see. Okay, it's Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven. The Greek word citizenship is the word politico. We derive politics from it. Um, it also means our seat of government. Listen, our point of operation, our origin of operation, our governmental uh, operation is not earthly, friends. We are not part of the kingdom on the earth. That's the promises to Israel and the Jews. We, friends, are heavenly. He said you uh, in John, he said you have to be born from above. Hallelujah. Mount Zion. That is our homeland. That's where our government is. That's where our politics originates from. Now, we're kind of talking about future here, but this is the place. This is the place. And to get to that place, you have to have Zoe life. We will rule and reign with him. Now, he's doing something with the kingdoms on the earth, and there is an earthly kingdom. Jerusalem, 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 I'm is plural, meaning two. And so embedded in them is this rev revelation that there would be a heavenly uh, governance and an earthly one. Our place is not on the earth. Our place is in the heavenlies. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, if you want to uh, come with me there, he said, you have to come through me. You have to receive life. Only those who are born of this life have access into that realm, into that dimension, into that operation. Heavenly Mount Zion, heavenly New Jerusalem, hallelujah, friends, <laughs> to be displayed as a trophy of his grace. Oh, man, that's what that life has afforded us. Oh, we thank you, Father, for it. So again, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me into this life, again, that life is not just a, it has nothing to do with time. Um, eternity has nothing to do with time. There is no time there. There's no time in that eternal place. Uh, it's because time wasn't, time wasn't created for us. Time has to do with judgment. And he measured out time for his dealings with man and time is counting down. Hallelujah. And uh, so time is, is, is used in the uh, God's outworking with man. But the eternal place is a quality of life. And in that place, because of life, 
because we have the nature of the Heavenly Father now in our DNA. Remember, Peter says we're born of the Word. We are born of the Word. That's what First Peter says. We are born of the Word. In John, it says we are born of the Spirit, born of the Spirit. Jesus says my words are spirit and life. This is why he said I'm the bread of life. You're born of the word. That's why you desire that word. You crave that word. Peter says, even as newborn babes, we could say as newborn spirits, desire or crave the sincere milk of the word. Why? That they may grow thereby. Just like your physical body needs vegetables, foods, things that come from the earth, from the ground. It derives its strength, its nourishment. It derives its, its life from the same type of substance that it was created from. Well, your spirit is the same way. You desire the word because you're born of the word and you need that word to grow. You need that word to develop. Jesus said, if my words abide in you and you abide in my words, Bible says that we were united with him. We became one spirit with him. We were joined to him and we became one spirit. He's the head of this body. We, we became his bride. The two shall become one, whatever God has joined together. Let no man separate. We are born of the Spirit and born of the Word. Well, what is that force that caused us to be alive? It's called Zoe life. It's the life of the Heavenly Father. Uh, in First John, he says, you are of God, little children. How are you of God? Because you are born of his life. Um, for this reason I have come, is what Jesus said. For this reason I have come. If you knew who was talking to you and the gift that he came to bring you, it, he didn't bring you just an escape. He didn't bring you uh, just a ticket so you could live in a shanty in the corner of glory land, friends. I mean, I get it, trying to be humble and everything. But um, no, the gift is wrapped up in that, the revelation of the divine life and nature of God. That is what is in you, friends. He said, I, I want you to become a temple that I can pour the entirety of myself into. We found that out in Ephesians. He said, I want to name you after this family. What family? The family of God. What family is that? The family in the heavenlies. What family is that? The family born of the word, the family that's born of the spirit, the family that has Christ on the inside of them, the family that has the spirit on the inside of them, bearing witness with them that they are children of God. You know, that's what Romans says, that the Holy Spirit, he witnessed to you. Like you had, the moment you came alive, <sighs> you recognized father, uh, uh, creator as father. And then Holy Spirit says there that the Holy Spirit bore witness with that. Yes, you are children of God. And then the Bible says, walk in the light as children of the light for he is of the light. He's the father of lights. And then John says this, John 1, 1. Let's turn there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Well, you're born of the word. Hallelujah. Verse 4, in him, him the word was life. And the life was the light of men. That life is the light of men. That life, the life, the life that was in the word. Peter says you're born of the word. In fact, let's look at that. 
Hallelujah, somebody. Where is that? That is First Peter 1.23. First Peter 1.23. Having been born again, as he's talking to you, he's talking to the new creation, Christ Jesus. Having been born again, not of incorruptible seed. Excuse me, not of corruptible seed, sorry. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You're born of the word, and the word lives and abides forever. You're born of that word, meaning you will live and abide forever. Hallelujah, friends. Zoe life is eternal life. Most Bibles add that descriptor in front of it, eternal. Um, the word eternal has to do with uh, ages and any age that is to come. Hallelujah. Anything God does. Here's, here's what that life provided for you. Anything God is doing, anything he chooses to do. Now, there's some mystery to that. You and I know uh, up to the seventh day, the millennial reign, we have an idea of what that eighth day is going to comprise of. A lot of people, they call it the eternal state. But beyond that, we really, you know, the Bible doesn't say, say much about it. But whatever he does in those ages to come, stacks and stacks and stacks, eons upon eons upon eons, infinity upon infinity upon infinity upon infinity. Whatever he does, that life uh, abides and lives forever. And the other, the other thought that I want to add to that is because this life, Jesus, I go and prepare a place for you. This life, what it has done is it has positioned us to be right there with the father. I mean, in Christ seated at his very right hand that whatever upon infinity into infinity upon infinity as the eons stack upon themselves upon themselves infinity stacks upon itself eternity stacks upon itself way into i mean we how, how do you even quantify how do you even quantify eternity how do you quantify how do you associate a number you can't with infinity well whatever that looks like your place will be right there with the father what ruling and reigning with together. Uh, if you go all the way back to Genesis and you see where Adam, he's already been tending the garden. Remember this? He's already been working there. And he noticed all this creation of, of the father and they had somebody, uh, they had somebody, they had a special someone. <laughs> and God says, not good. Man should be alone. And when he united Eve, woman, when he revealed woman to him, remember he took of his bone, right? Uh, the Bible says it took a rib. Well, the, the Hebrew word rib basically, generically, literally means half of a whole. He, Eve was not a spare rib. Wasn't, woman wasn't a spare part. But he took from man and created woman. And then united woman with man 
so that man and woman together could tend and keep, could watch over and expand the works of Father's hand. Think of that as a revelation. That is a derivative revelation of what Father had in mind for Jesus. It's not good that a head should be alone. It's not good that Jesus should be alone. I will make a helper comparable, compatible to his headship. The only thing comparable to a head is what? The body. Okay. And so this is where we get man and woman, husband and wife, head, body. These are all the family of revelation here. And he says, not good. And so what did he do? Well, I will cause these ones to be born again. I will take of his very flesh, his very nature, and I will create this companion, an eternal companion. This, this is the mystery of the building body and bride, friends. This is the invitation you and I have been invited to participate in. Hallelujah. And it's an open invitation. This isn't for a, a select few. He says, tell everybody, tell all the creation, go and, and spread this gospel to everybody. This is what I'm doing. And for infinity upon infinity, we will be united to what? Rule and reign with him. But the only way to get there is to receive the life, is to be born again, to have that life. It's the divine life. It's the nature of God himself. He took of himself and by way of Holy Spirit caused your spirit to be born again with this very life. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are gone. Behold, all things have become new. You are a species that has never existed before. Why? Because you're born of the word. You are born of the spirit. You know, and I want to go back to this thought here. When Jesus met that woman at the well, he said the father is seeking those who aren't bound to just locating him here at this place or there at that place or worship at this one place or worship at this place. No, no, no. He said the father is seeking those who can worship him in spirit and in reality, meaning that they can interact with him personally. Well, in order to do that, Jesus said, I, you have to receive this gift. And this gift is the life of God. And that will recreate you, cause you to be born again from the inside out. From the inside, you're born again. And now you can have fellowship with God because he is a spirit that has life. And now you are a born again spirit born of this life, and that life is the light of men. You know, if we could say it like this without getting all weird or whatever, but if we could say it like this, that you are a child of the light. So the life is the light of men, meaning what is causing you to be illuminated? I mean, what is causing you to surge, to glow, if, if you will? You know, if we could see into the spirit realm, I'm convinced that there's, a, there's light about you. There's a force about you that obviously those in the kingdom of darkness, they, they can tell the difference between you and dead people, right? There's, uh, there's kind of a difference between the dude in the casket and the people who are standing there, you know, um, paying their last respects, right? Between death, darkness, life, and light. Well, what is that illumination? What is the light of these men, this 
new man in Christ Jesus, this one new man. What is the light, the life of that man? It's the nature of God. It's the word of God on the inside. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus was saying when, or all the prophetic passages that were saying, I'm going to write my laws on the tablet of their heart. How in the world was he going to do that? It was going to be in the DNA. Remember what Paul said in Romans? He said, according to the inward man, I delight. I delight. You have righteousness embedded on the inside of you. This is what he's saying. You've become a debtor. I referenced this. Romans said, you've become a debtor, not to the flesh. No, no, no. To the spirit of life now. And in effect, God's saying, hey, look, I've done all this, man. I sent Jesus for you. You owe me. What is it, Father, that we owe you? You owe me to live according to the spirit. You owe me to act like my child. You owe it to me to take your place in my family is in effect what he was saying. I mean, whoa, okay, call call me a debtor. This is the best debt there is. This is good debt. <laughs> this is tremendous debt, friends. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Father. In that same passage in Romans verse 13, he says, for if you live or derive your life according to the flesh, if you're animated according to the flesh, he says, that's death. That is death. That's the definition of death, being drawing your thoughts, your wisdom, your counsel, your understanding, your manner of life, your livelihood, deriving your personality, your animation from the flesh. That's spiritual death, friends. But he says, but if by the spirit you put the death, the deeds of the body, you will live. Now that that Greek word live is, is the Greek word zeo, you know, in comparison to zoe, it's a derivative, zeo. And it basically means this, the life or the animation as derived from the born again spirit. You're living out of, you're, you're, you're in the reality of what this new life in Christ Jesus has afforded you. So that living, that's zeo, but it's based on the zoe, the life that's on the inside of you now. You are a child of God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father, for it. I wanted to cover this because, you know, I just wonder sometimes, um, you know, may, maybe it's of no interest to some, but um, it's fascinating when you really dial into the Scriptures, what the Scriptures are saying. You are born of God. How? The Word did it. The Word did it. And in that Word is life. Father said, before the foundations of the world, him, the Godhead, they're talking, and they said, let's do this. Let's redeem man. And let's not just redeem him and put a Band-Aid on him. Let's do something different. Let's cause their spirit to be born again. Let's put ourselves. You know, the first Adam was made in the likeness and in the image. But the second Adam, it says, became a life-giving spirit. Where's that at? It says, excuse me, it says in um, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, the first Adam became a living being. Uh, another translation says a living personality. But the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. He said, let's do something different here. Hallelujah. We're going to do something. We're going to put our nature on the inside of him. Oh, hallelujah. And Jesus, 
came as the image of that life. Remember, the Father says, I'm going to predestine these ones to be conformed into the image of the Son. We are predestined to partake of that life and to be conformed into the image of that life. We saw that image. They celebrated it in 1 John. They said, we, we touched it. We fellowship with it. We heard it. Uh, it, it. It ministered to us what? The image, the pattern, the mold that this life was creating on the inside of us, conforming us to what? To that image right there. James said it this, this way in the book of James chapter 1. He said, when you look into the mirror of the word, what do you see reflected back at you? A revelation of what kind of man you are. Well, what has done that? What is doing that? Well, the word is doing it. The word's doing it. And it's doing it from the inside. In your born-again spirit, you are the temple of God, Ephesians says. Hallelujah, friends. Oh, man, we could just spend days just contemplating the reality of what has been given to us. Now, again, this is not just for a select few. Uh, this is why he said, listen, go and tell everybody. Preach this gospel to all creatures. Tell them of the gift. Tell them of what God has provided. This merciful, wow, absolutely priceless gift of new life in Christ Jesus. Remember, in him we live and move and have derive. We have our being, our being, friends. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And anybody who partakes of this becomes the family of God. Now, that's in contrast to those who simply reject it, simply reject it. And so we're not going to spend much time listening to the criticisms of those who have rejected this new life in Christ Jesus when it's been, uh, obviously, it's been offered to them. Anybody. What did John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, come on, would believe in him, would have what? Everlasting or forever in infinity, as infinity stacks upon itself into the future, you will have this life, which is a VIP uh, seat with the Father, seated at the right hand of the Father, seated in Christ Jesus, as infinity stacks upon itself, whatever Father does, whatever the plan is, whatever comes in the beginning of that eternal state, we'll be right there, united with Christ as his bride, just like Eve was to Adam. And whatever tending of the garden, come on, somebody, whatever works of his hands that he has given us authority over, we will be right there with him, working this out, ruling and reigning with him. Why? Because we have life, the God kind of life. Hallelujah. Well, friends, I hope you got something out of that. James, excuse me, John, again, John, of all the New Testament writings, John talks about life or uses that word life the most. It's all throughout the Bible. Romans talks about it. James talks about it. It's all, it's, it's all in there. It's fascinating word study, friends encourage you to do a dive into, into that and find out who you are in Christ Jesus. The devil wants to keep you from that knowledge right there. He doesn't want you to live life or have this life to its fullest. Hallelujah, but the devil's a liar. 
All right, friends, thank you for joining me today. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. I thank you for supporting us, believing with us, believing in us, praying for us. I thank you to all the ones who have contributed in some way to the success of this podcast. Listen, we're right on the end of 2022, about to head on into 2023. I have great expectations for 2023. Thank you so much for helping us get to where we are here. We're all over the world now, and uh, we've been in all kinds of nations. Our prayer is this, that we would just get to the right people. And you can help us in in that, friends. Pray, pray for us. Pray for us that in 2023, this podcast will get to the right people. Hallelujah. And in the right time, too. All right, friends, we love you. Uh, Thank you for being here today. And until next time, be blessed.